0: Well, it is a joy to be celebrating today new life in Christ in all three of our services by baptizing men and women who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and are committed to following Jesus and understand what Jesus has done for them that is so different than religion. So we're not celebrating a tradition today. We're not making much of what can happen when you just attend a church. Set all that aside. And I just feel this need every time we celebrate baptism to clarify. Because we do live in a culture still where, sadly, there are a lot of people, and it happens even in some churches, that are not going by the scriptures. They're not following what God's word says. So they've got a place for baptism but they're putting it in the wrong priority of understanding what is happening so what I want to clarify and make sure you understand as you watch these men and women go to the baptismal tank they are not about to become a different person because of this water they are not about to be made right with the god of the universe because they got down in the tank and got ba- they are not about to have their sins washed away and be forgiven they are moving in that direction because that is what has already happened in their lives. Because they've trusted Jesus Christ. So we're that church that's trying to go by the Bible. So don't hear me saying we're the only church that gets it right. We, whatever we say. But we are a church that tries to follow the Bible. And, and sadly, that's kind of unique. A lot of churches, you don't even need to carry your Bible because they're not going to use it. And even when you say, but the Bible, and they'll say, well, I don't care what the Bible says. We still care what the Bible says. And we still want to follow what the scriptures say. And we believe that the Bible does not teach that baptism saves you. But here's the problem with a church like us. As soon as I say that, some of you then also conclude something wrong. It is very wrong to think that baptism saves you. So when I say, it doesn't save you, then you might say, so why do it? I'll just never get baptized. That's also wrong. Because God's word commands you to be baptized. In fact, if you say Jesus is your savior, you say you've submitted to him, you say you're believing that he's the only one that could save you, it's one of the first things he told you to do. So if he's your savior and he's your Lord and you say I'm a Christ follower, one of the first things he says to do is to be baptized out of obedience to tell the world, and I know the world isn't here today, but it's a packed house, to go public and say, I have put my trust in Christ. It is a public demonstration and picture of what Christ has already done in your life. In a very real way, what the Bible teaches is that salvation, when you put your trust in Christ... Is, is similar to marriage. He is our bridegroom. We are his bride. And so when you put your trust in Christ, spiritually, you are married to Christ, but he's not here yet. So in a sense, this is an engagement. This is a prolonged engagement, but this is your opportunity to declare to people, yes, just like if you're here and you are engaged. I bet You have photos, I I almost made the mistake, I'm old enough to say, photos in your wallet. (laughs) Anybody remember that? (laughs) Photos on your smartphone (laughs) of your loved one. And if someone begins to talk about, well, basically anything, you can think of a reason to bring this up and show them your beloved. You're not ashamed. It's not a secret. And if your beloved, especially you're the, you're the female, has given you that engagement ring that indicates taken, claimed, this wedding is coming, not available. In a very real sense, our baptism is our public declaration and coming out to say, I'm not my own anymore. I've been bought by another. I'm loved by another. And I have a savior. So he calls us to be baptized but not so that you can be right with the God of the universe, but because you are. In a very real way, what we're doing here today is also making a distinction between religion and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Religion will not save you. Getting caught up in a church and attending a church and joining a church will not make you right with the God of the universe. In fact, in many ways, sometimes... That can put you in a position that now you are even harder to reach and you are even in a more precarious position because you think, I'm okay now. I'm in church. I joined a church or I got baptized or I signed a card or I shook the pastor's hand or I attended a class or there's all kinds of ways you can do this where it's just, it's just religion. We are about to celebrate not religion but a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's alive. We, we celebrated that at Easter. But news alert. He's still alive. It's not just Easter. He's alive. And he's drawing people to himself. And these are ones who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Through his son Jesus Christ. And they're plugged into a church then. Because you want to grow and learn more about him. And be with others. Who also love him and are following him. I'm fond of saying something here that I think can clarify a little bit, and so I'm gonna break it down. Often we'll say here the way you become right with the God of the universe, how can you be saved? How can you be forgiven? How can you how can you be right? Is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Oh, thank you, peeps. You warm my heart. Somebody's been listening. Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And then I even added this. Plus. Oh, say it again. You say, why would you do that, Brad? Just because we're so bent towards there's something we have to do that I know there are even other churches that say, oh yeah, we teach you're saved by grace also. We also teach it's all by grace. But if you keep listening and you know enough to ask a question... They're saying, oh, it's grace, but you still have to do some things that are added to that grace. And those two things converge and make you right with God. I'm going out of my way to say it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus... Because here's the problem. it's like, Brad... What's the problem? Just add a few other things. It'd be like having the perfect recipe, those of you that cook, and saying, so I threw some asparagus in there. What's the big deal? I got everything else right. It's now very wrong. (laughs) Unless that asparagus was grilled with a little sea salt and just some olive oil. Mm. You can't just throw in whatever and think it's still going to be the same. When you add to it, you have now ruined it. It's plus nothing. Plus nothing. Plus nothing. And so here's what I mean by that phrase: "By grace alone means grace is the basis on which God can save us. It's what we stand on. It's the foundation. What does this whole thing build on? How does God make people right with him, and he's holy, 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 and we're sinful? Grace. Grace. It's not merit. It's not our works. It is not, and this is going to surprise some of you, you trying to keep the Ten Commandments. Number one answer I hear, do you think if you died you'd go to heaven? I hope so. I try to, and at least they're honest enough to throw the word try in there because they know, do you do it perfectly? No. I try to keep the Ten Commandments and I try to treat people the way I'd want to be treated. And guess what? You can go to hell doing that. Does it make for a better culture in a society when people try to keep the Ten Commandments? Yes. And treat people the way they'd want to be treated? Absolutely. But does it earn you merit with God so that you're ahead of other people and that's how he decides who will be forgiven and go to heaven? No. No. So it's grace. By grace alone. Grace is the basis. Through faith alone. What I mean by through faith alone is, this answers the question, but how does that grace, that forgiveness, that being right with God become mine? It's possible, but how does it become mine? It's not be born into a Christian home. It's not attend a class. It's, it's through faith. You, personally, that's why we don't believe that babies... Some churches teaches babies have their original sin washed away at baby baptism day. They don't know what's going on. Through faith alone, you have to exercise your faith and put it in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did. And make, make sure you don't make the mistake of making faith synonymous with just believing Jesus existed. Well, I, I believe there was a Jesus. Good. So do the demons. That's what the Bible teaches. In fact, the, the demons have a little more on you than that. James says the demons believe and tremble. So it's not just saying, oh, I tip my hat towards the Jesus Christ, the historical figure that actually lived. I think he did. Through faith alone is you're putting your faith in him and you're believing And you're trusting that nothing else but what he did, who he is, and what he did is your hope. You're giving up on anything else you thought you might do or that you bring to the table. I'm trusting in him, resting in him, believing he is who he says he is, fully God and fully man. And that he did what the scriptures say he did. That when he died on the cross, my sins were on him. That instead of me being punished, he was. That he experienced separation from God and the wrath of God poured out on him for me when it should have been me. I believe through faith alone, in Christ alone. That answers the question where should I look for this help and this hope? Don't look to other people. Don't look to me. Don't look to your parents. Don't, in Christ, alone, plus nothing. And that's hard. That's hard. Because see, to embrace this approach from Scripture, I'll tell you what this bumps up against. Because some of you are thinking, that's not hard. It's actually too easy. It can't be that easy. Let me tell you what's hard about it. What's hard about it is you have to come to the point that you realize I offer nothing. I have nothing to offer. That's why I love the hymn writer, Augustus Toplady, that said, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. I'm just a sinner. I cannot save myself. There's nothing I can do. I could never be good enough. I cannot keep... For those of you that are trying to keep the Ten Commandments, let me say something that I hope will be very disturbing to you. The book of James actually teaches if you've broken one commandment, you're guilty of having broken how many? All. You're like, Brad, why would God say that? I'll tell you why he would say that so that it would bring you to a point. It's only then when you realize ah, that you say, I need a savior. You don't need a system. Human nature is wired for a system. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Give me the checklist and I'll check the boxes. Show me the standard and I can compare myself to others and I can feel pretty good because I can always feel, find someone else. Say, well, at least I'm not like Her. It's a system, it's a system and it's merit and it's earning and it's me. Here's what's hard. It bumps right up against your pride to say, really, I'm that bad? My sin, even though it might not be what someone else's is, would land me in an eternal hell and I can never be good enough and right. Savior, Jesus. Let me show you just one place We could go to dozens of places, but today I've chosen one place to show you what I'm talking about. Turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. How are you going to do that? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself... His own special people, zealous for good works. Now look at me, because I want to point out something. Does the Bible talk about good works? Just did. It's not the only place. But notice what it did, and here's the mistake people make. It's where you place those good works. He redeems you. He saves you. He does what you could never do for yourself, And after he saves you, his intent is to live in you and to help you live differently, zealous for good works. But you don't try to do good works hoping, watch me, God, watch me, watch me. My good works are starting to outweigh my bad works. So hopefully now you'll forgive me and accept me. Ah, Not going to happen. But when he saves you, redeems you, lives in you, yes, yes. Yes, you begin to live differently not in hopes of earning God's favor or getting God's attention or being good enough that he'll forgive you but because he has forgiven you. How could I not live for this one? And now I have a power more than my own. He lives in me giving me a desire that I never had before to think of others and a concern for things that I never cared about before. He's already at work in me And it's causing me to live perfectly? No. But zealously. Then skip down to chapter 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Look at me. Don't make the mistake right now of thinking, man, there's some bad people out there he's talking about. Hope I don't have to live near any of them. Who's he talking about? All of us. That's you, my friend. Whether you had the opportunity yet to display all of that, that's what's raging inside of every one of us as human beings who are born sinners. That is the description. Verse 4, one of my favorite words in the Bible. But, but, despite all that that's going on in us, but... When the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. And look at me. It's like he knows how bent we are towards works. That he inserts this next phrase before he even goes on. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Not. Not. But according to his say it. Mercy. Mercy. Mercy, you don't deserve it. Mercy, you don't earn it. Mercy. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by, say the word, Grace. grace. And that word justified was a courtroom term in the Greek. And it meant when you stood before a judge and your record was against you, that to be justified was to have that record cleared, wiped out. But it's, it's even better than that. It's not that when you trust Christ, the record of your sin against you is wiped out. There's more. And the perfect record and righteousness and life of Jesus Christ, who was the only one who ever kept the law perfectly is applied to your account as if it was yours and that you had done it. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. So when you put your trust in Christ and God looks at you, he doesn't see a blank slate. That's why when you see verses and you think, how could the God of the universe sing over me? I'm still such a mess. It says he sings over you. He delights in you. He loves you. He thinks about you. It's because when God looks at you after you've put your trust in Christ, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ who never changes. So his thoughts towards you are based on Jesus, not how good or bad you're doing on any given day. Oh, that's really good. That's so different than religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ.